Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Our scripture today is very difficult. Now, normally when I say that, it is because perhaps the language, the grammar, the construction of the words make it hard to understand. This is not what I mean about today's passage. In actuality, our passage that we are going to be studying is most easy to understand. Why do I say it's a difficult passage? Because it's hard to implement it into our life. Only those who have a strong faith that God is faithful to his word, that he will indeed establish his kingdom, and that his promises will indeed be fulfilled in that kingdom, only these people are going to respond obediently to these simple instructions. And again, simple to understand, but most difficult to implement into our life because we tend to be worldly-minded instead of kingdom-minded. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to Luke's Gospel and chapter 6, the book of Luke and chapter 6. We're going to pick up with verse 24, and it begins here with a transition. He's been making statements about wonderful things that's going to happen in the kingdom of God. But now he's going to speak to those who are not kingdom-minded, but who are worldly-minded. And you and I need to ask ourselves a question, which are we? Do we really believe the words of Messiah? Do we really believe the biblical promises that God, he will return he will establish his kingdom, and in that kingdom, those who are in a new covenantal relationship with him, they will be blessed exceedingly. Do you really believe that? Well, look with me to this verse, Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 24, where it says, But woe to you. And this word, woe, is a strong word. It means how awful something's going to be if there's not a change. Oftentimes, I give the illustration of a horse running swiftly to the end of a cliff. And of course, the rider will say to that horse, Whoa! And if that horse does not stop, how awful the results are going to be. Well, that is a simple illustration to understand the intent of this biblical word. If we don't change, if we don't turn and become kingdom-minded, how awful the outcome is going to be. So he says here, Woe to you, the ones who are wealthy. 
Now, does this mean that everyone who is wealthy, that God says, woe to you? The term here speaks to those who are identified, meaning these are the ones who are known by their wealth. This is the focus of their life. God is not simply against wealth. We know that many people that God blessed, that God used, were wealthy individuals. Think of the patriarchs. Think of King David. Think of Solomon. But this is a word that speaks about those who are wealthy and they pursue that. That is how they are known by their desire for wealth. And what does he say? Once more, verse 24. But woe to you, the ones who are wealthy, because, and this is where it gets very interesting. Now, I looked at over 30 English translations, and all of them get it wrong. And that is because frequently translators simply follow what someone else has translated. They really don't do their job and translate it from the original language. Secondly, we see that many times translators translate what seems reasonable, what seems likely. And what most say is this, you know, woe to you, the ones who are wealthy, because you have already received, that's the intent, already received your consolation, that which will comfort you. But that is not what it says. If you look at this word, and it's the word, it's actually a compound word, meaning it is derived from one basic word, echo, which means to have. And the second word is a prefix, a preposition, which is the word apo, which means from. And if we really look at it correctly, it means to hold back. It's not receiving something, but it's the opposite. It's holding something back. It is pushing something away. And what he says is this. If you are someone who pursues things in this world, that is your objective, that you are worldly minded. And those who receive of this world realize that desire, that activity, that mindset is going to hold back from you those kingdom blessings. You are not going to receive that comfort of the kingdom of God. Now, remember the context. In the previous section, in verses 21, 22, and 23, what was he speaking about? He was speaking about those who are suffering. They are empty. They are afflicted. They are put down in this world. But in the kingdom of God, there's going to be a wonderful change. But these who are about acquiring things in this world and of this world, they are pushing away the comfort of the kingdom blessings in their life. He also says, verse 25, Woe to you, the ones who have been filled, are filled, and will continue to be filled, meaning this, those who are satisfied with the things of this world. And they have been satisfied 
in the past, present, and on into the future. What does he say? Look carefully at this verse. Woe to you, the ones who have been filled, because you will be hungry. There's coming a time of transition. Now, I want to emphasize that truth. God is going to make a time of transition where this world that we're in and the ways of this world are all going to come to an abrupt end. What will bring about this end? The judgment of God. And then we see something else. We see when God's judgment brings about an end to this world, what's going to happen? Very simple. It is going to come to an end for the establishment of the kingdom of God. And everything, hear that, everything's going to be different. Very, very different. This is what the word of God is saying. And read on. He says, woe to you, those who have been satisfied because you will be hungry. Woe to you, the ones who are laughing now. Meaning, the things of this world delights them. They find joy and pleasure and happiness in the things of this current world. This is a world of darkness. This is a world of corruption. This is a world that has been stained by sin. And this is a world that is very different than the kingdom that God's going to establish. This is what we need to understand. A time of change is coming. And are you going to be like Lot's wife? Remember her? God is bringing judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does she do? She looks back one last time. Now, what is being conveyed here? Her longing for, she knows what's going to happen. God is in the process of destructing things. And she wants to get that one last look. It speaks about where her heart was. Where is your heart? When the kingdom comes, are you going to be like some of the children of Israel that, that, that kept thinking about Egypt, kept reminiscing about, oh, the cucumbers and the food in, in Egypt? That's what they were thinking about in the wilderness rather than the journey that they were on to the land of promise. Very, very relevant for us. We're in the wilderness. And the wilderness is a place to demonstrate dependence upon God in order that we might take possession of a future inheritance. That's where we are now. Do you believe that God will bring about that inheritance? That's what it comes down to. So he says, woe to you, the ones who laugh now, because you will mourn and you will weep. God's going to bring a change where those who are satisfied with this world are going to mourn and weep because of the transition that's coming. The changes that the kingdom God will bring about. Look now to verse 26. Woe to you when they call you good. Who? All the people, when men call you good, woe to you. 
For according to these things, their fathers did for the false prophets. Now, what he's saying is this. And in Israel right now, we're going through in our study group and on our television show here in Israel, we're going through the book of Jeremiah. And what are we seeing? We're seeing how all the people hated Jeremiah. Why? He spoke truth. But there were numerous false prophets. And for Jeremiah's uh, prophetic time, meaning those years, and by the way, Jeremiah spoke about 40 years was his prophecy. And he said, things are going to happen. They didn't want to believe him. And all the prophets, they spoke against him, the false prophets. And the people also agreed with the false prophets. But who was right? Jeremiah. And that judgment, although it may have been slow in coming, it came. And it brought about exile. It brought about destruction. It brought about the death of many. And many of the children of Israel, they were eternally lost because they did not submit to prophetic revelation. What about you? I've said many times that, that the place in the scripture, which is least likely to be taught from, and I mean not just a verse here and there, but truly going through a book, the prophets are greatly ignored. And the church today needs prophecy. We need, and I say prophecy, I'm talking about these Old Testament prophets. They reveal the truth concerning what God is going to do in bringing about his kingdom. So once again, woe to you whenever all men speak good concerning you. For according to these things, their fathers did for the false prophets. Verse 27. But to you I say, who's he speaking to now? To the ones who are hearing. And that's the question that you have to ask yourselves. Are you really listening to the scripture? And hearing the word of God is going to bring about a different behavior. I've said many times this word for hearing is hearing with the desire to respond to what you hear. And therefore, Messiah says once more, verse 27, but to you I say to the ones who are hearing, love your enemies. Good you do to the ones who hate you. Now, again, easy to understand what he's saying, but very difficult to do that. What does he say? Again, so simple to grasp. He says, love your enemies. Good you do to the ones who hate you. Verse 28, you bless the ones who curse you and pray in behalf of the ones who. And I would encourage you to do a good study of this next word. It's a word which means those who insult you, abuse you, threaten you, mistreat you, speak harsh things concerning you, revile you. What does he say? He says, pray in behalf of those who treat you in such a way. Verse 29, another scripture. 
that we're all familiar with, where he says, to the ones who hit you upon the cheek, offer also the other. Now, what is that saying? You don't defend yourself. You're not about your earthly life. You are willing to suffer and you pray for those who mistreat you, who curse you, you're kind, you bless, all of these things. Why? Because you realize something. This world is coming to an end. This world, what happens here, isn't really important unless you live a redemptive life. What does that mean? Doing just what he says. Pray for your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Those who do unkind things to you, pray for them. This is his words. Those who strike you upon your, your cheek, he says, offer up to them the other. Middle of verse 29. And from those who take away your garment, also your tunic, don't withhold. Here again, it is this willingness to suffer loss. Why? Whatever you lose in this world out of obedience to God. Now, hear this. This is such a vital, significant biblical truth. Whatever you lose in this world for obedience to God, because of a kingdom hope, out of obedience to the instructions of Messiah, you may lose it, but it's lost temporarily. You're going to see, as we're going to find out in a moment, you're going to receive a great reward in the kingdom of God. Verse 30. Again, so simple to understand. He says, but to all who ask you, so request something from you, he says, give. Now, they may ask for $100. You may give them $1, but you give. You respond to their requests. Very hard to do. We look for reasons. Well, they're going to misuse this. They don't deserve it. They have some problem. They're going to go out and buy something they ought not. I'm contributing to their bad behavior. He didn't say to think about those things. He says here, to all the ones who ask you, give. And from the one who takes away these things from you, he says, do not ask for them back. You're not interested in the things of this world. Why? All these things of this world. Read Revelation chapter 8. They are going to come to naught. God's going to destroy them. All these things that people pursue, dedicate their life to, all these things will not follow them into the kingdom of God. But your obedience to Messiah, the things that you sacrifice out of submissiveness to his instructions, they will be a blessing for you in eternity. That's what he's trying to communicate to us. Do you really believe that he's going to establish that kingdom? Verse 31. And just as you want that, that men should do to you, also you do to them likewise. This is the principle. Behave in that way. Do this simple truth. Verse 32. 
And if you love the ones who love you, literally it says, what to you is grace? Now that's what it literally says. I realize the Bible's translated differently, but look at the original language. Go to some study aids and see what it says. So if you love those that love you, what is there to you grace? Now, it can be understood in two ways. Have you really received grace? Or what was the purpose that you received this grace if you don't behave in a kingdom way? And secondly, it can be understood in this manner. When you do these things, God will minister to you grace. A grace that causes you to overcome the things of this world, the attacks of the enemy, and the pains of this world. So he's going to use this expression several times. Once more, verse 32. And if you love the ones who love you, what to you is grace? Verse 32, the second part. And also the ones who are sinners. It says, they love the ones who love them. So even sinners, they love the ones who love them. We're called to be different. Not to be like them, but to be in a kingdom mindset. And furthermore, he says, look at verse 33. And if you do good to the ones who do you good... Once more, he says, what to you is grace? You're not utilizing the grace given to you. Or if this is how you behave, you won't be a recipient of grace. Now, we're not talking here about the grace that saves. You've already received that if you've believed in the gospel. If you're a disciple of Messiah, what he's talking about here is grace in the sense, the grace that God extends that produces obedience to his will that conforms you to the character of Messiah, that gives you the mindset of Messiah. This is what he's talking about in this passage of Scripture. He says at the end of verse 33, for the sinners, this same thing they do. They are kind and loving and such to those who are loving to them. Verse 34. But if you lend from the ones who you expect to receive back, again he says, what to you is their grace? For also the sinners, to sinners led, lend in order that they receive back the same thing in equality. Verse 35. We're supposed to be different. He says, but you love your enemies and do good to them, and lend, and nothing expect to receive back. And if you do this, and here's the promise, he's commanded us many things to do, but now he's going to tell us why we should do them. He simply says, and your reward will be great. And not only will your reward be great, but notice, doing these things are going to transform us. It is going to bring us into a new relationship with God that we're not just servants of God, but notice what he says, and you shall be sons of the Most High. What does that mean? This word son is oftentimes related to an heir. It speaks about having an inheritance 
from the Most High God. That's the promise that he's making. So these things, simple enough to understand, yes, difficult to carry out, but what a wonderful response there will be in the kingdom of God for those who behave in this way. He also says, because he, and this is referring to God, because he is, and this word means kind. He is kind to those who are unkind and to evil ones, meaning those who don't do the right thing according to his will. God is still crying, kind. He is still gracious to them. He is of this type of behavior. Why? Because he's waiting for them to change. He does good to those who don't deserve it because this doing good may bring about a change. He says, look at verse 36, therefore you be compassionate. What a strong statement. Be people who are known not by wealth, but be people who are known by being compassionate, just as also your father is compassionate. And then he says, do not judge and you won't be judged. And do not condemn that you will not be condemned. Now, what he's saying here is don't want to see someone convicted, meaning labeled in some way for the purpose of them being condemned. That's not what we want. We're not in the ministry of condemnation. Vengeance is reserved for God. So we're not about judging at this time. People always write and say, the Bible says we're going to judge the angels. We're going to judge the world. Yes, but not now, not in this body. Right now, we don't have a ministry of condemnation. We have a ministry of reconciliation. And by the things he commands, we further this ministry that God has given to us. What are we supposed to do? Well, look at the middle of verse 37. He says, forgive and you will be forgiven. One more verse, verse 38, a great verse, where he says, for those who behave in this way, that's what faith produces, this type of behavior. He says, give and will be given to you. How? A good measure. God will press it down. He will shake it together. It will be overflowing. This is how God gives, and it says, into your, some Bibles will say lap, others will say bosom. If you check out this word, it speaks about a, a, a pocket within your, your jacket where you put valuable things. So what it's saying here is that God's going to give us in abundance, overflowing some precious things, kingdom things that we're going to receive. Finally, he says, for with the measure that you measure out, it is going to be measured back to you. Realize that. God, he is good. He is generous. You can receive overflowing blessings in abundance in the kingdom of God. There's just one condition that you take these simple things so easy to understand, but you just don't let them be in your mind. They become how you behave. You implement them into your life so that you are indeed 
a son of the Most High God. That's your call in Messiah Yeshua. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.